0: What I love saying is, a not every launch is created the same way. It a lot depends on on you, your brand, how you're aligned with your audience, your offer, of course. So it's almost unfair for people to say, "Oh, you need you know like say you know um, x number of emails." But the fact is that until you're really clear about how you want to connect with your audience, like just picking a number out of thin air just just doesn't seem seem right.
1: Hey, and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat switched-on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin, and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google Ads, and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpos, a Law, and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google Ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture. And yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. Hello, you are in for a real treat today because I have Pernia and my Aunt Malik, the husband and wife team behind Content Bistro. And Content Bistro is a service-based business that specializes in conversion and copywriting for course creators. And there's so much more than that though. But before we dive in and I tell you a bit more about them, I actually met Pernia at a mastermind event. She did a guest talk there in March last year, just before, so March 2020 that is, and it was in San Diego. She was over there for a copywriting event and I was there for my mastermind retreat and she was a guest speaker and I loved her approach to copywriting. She did a really fantastic presentation on course copywriting. And we've kept in touch on Instagram. And so I DM'd her and asked her if she would come on the podcast with her husband and talk about scaling service based businesses. Because I think when it comes to being a service based entrepreneur, it can often get to the point where you are trading your time for money and you reach a ceiling where there's no more hours in the day and you really need to diversify your income stream. So you've got maybe some digital products or some courses. And I talked to Pernia and Mayank about this because they've done this so successfully and they're all about really steady, sustainable growth. They're not about 10X in your business. They don't have this whole entrepreneurial shiny object syndrome and they take things in a really considered, thoughtful approach. And so they've got sort of two arms to their business where the one is the done for you copywriting services, which Pernia does for like a list of clients like Amy Porterfield and Pat Flynn And then they've got the other arm of their business where they do more done with you services or courses or programs for service providers that want to scale and create different revenue streams or do launch copywriting. So they've got a number of different products that they've created to serve all these different offers that their audience has been asking for. And one thing that we talk about here is that you don't have to start your business on day one and then suddenly have 10 different product sets that you're offering your clients or your customers in the first year. This is again about that slow, steady, sustainable growth that creates predictable revenue in your business that also fits in with your lifestyle and how you want to run your own business as well. I love this chat. I, <laughs> at the end, I was thought I better wrap this up because we've been talking for quite a bit now and I'm conscious of their time and I could have talked for a lot longer, but they gave so much value in this interview and I just can't wait for you to hear it. Before we dive in, in a couple of days, if you're listening to this when this goes live, which will be the end of January, on the 1st of Feb, I have my 12-week mastermind for people that are looking to become a course creator, maybe you've got a course and you're not sure how to launch it, and I will teach you the moving parts of how I launch my own online course, the automation, the Facebook ads, the launch process, my to-do list, how I project manage, how I use a VA, all that sort of stuff in a really tight-knit mastermind community. There's 20 spots available, and as I'm recording this intro, which is about a week beforehand, there are five spots left. So if you do want to snag one of the last-minute spots, and we do start on Monday, the 1st of Feb, if you do want to snag on those spots, do head to kgriffincom forward slash launch dash legends. All the information's there. It's really designed for maybe you're a service provider and you want to develop those different income streams, like we were talking about in this interview, or you want to—you've got a course already, but you want to start to launch that better and optimize the launch and understand the different moving parts. Maybe add some ads into it. Maybe figure out what automation you need. So that's Launch Legends, my twelve-week tight knit mastermind community. If you do want a sneak peek of what's available, go to the link in the show notes and it will all be there. Let's dive into this interview. Okay, I'm so excited. I've got my husband and wife team copywriting duo on today. Can you guys please introduce yourselves and tell people a bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Thanks so much, Katie,
0: for inviting Mike and me here. So yeah, we are both the founders of Content Bistro, where we work with course Creators, coaches, and consultants on uh, their sales and launch copy. Um, we also have another, um, almost like another division of the business where we work with uh, fellow service providers and um, entrepreneurs who want um, sustainable scale and intentional profitability
1: in their businesses. And we, Pruna, we met at a mastermind retreat, it seems like 10 years ago now because the world has changed <laughs> dramatically. But we met in March 2020 in the U.S. We were both there at the same time mm-hmm. and you gave a great talk about it was a group of, of um, course providers and you gave a great talk on launch copywriting and an overview on your process and what you kind of do there. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like we both kind of got out of the U.S. At the, as COVID was really taking off. Yes. And so, whereabouts are you guys based and did the COVID happenings make a shift in your business at all or has it been relatively non-impactful on your day-to-day business?
0: Yeah. So, we live in India. We've, we're based here. We've been living here um, since the beginning. And um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Just made it in time before like the world literally shut down um, and COVID on the whole did not impact our business. Um, Katie, honestly, if anything, it was it was business as usual. In mm-hmm. fact, it was better because there were more people launching, there were more, you know, course creators, like moving really fast and um creating new offers. And even from like a service provider point of view, the clients that we worked with were, you know, everyone was looking to. Yeah, they were everyone's home and they were just looking to kind of make the best of the situation and just double down on on their business, on their growth. So yeah, no, it it just did not impact our business. Uh, if anything, it um it feels kind of weird almost saying this, but we did end up having our best year ever. So if anything, it was really good for business. <laughs>
2: I, I was just going to say the only thing uh, which was probably a challenge um, during these times for, was, was obviously to um, have a strong and positive mindset mm. Um, mm. because of the lockdown and all of that stuff, you couldn't go out. So even though um, as, as far as client flow or people um, enrolling in our programs or the mask mine, all of that was flowing really well. Um, but I think the challenge really was to stay positive mm. and uh, and have uh, like a positive mindset. So, so yeah, uh, otherwise I think it was a great deal.
1: And I think with what I found being a service provider as well is that we were probably fortunate that our businesses are built where digital service providers. So we weren't tied to, well, I'm not particularly tied to an office space or I'm pretty location independent of what I can do. But at the beginning, I'm not sure whether you guys felt this as well, but at the beginning, sort of like March, April period, in that real period of uncertainty, it was a bit scary to think as a service provider, what if it all dried up just like that? Yes. Um, but I think that, like you said, because we're fortunate in that industry that a lot of people were transitioning online, were transitioning digitally, were looking to other revenue streams, it probably benefited the, the service that you offer being able to um you know, help those businesses transition to launching courses, launching or helping service providers scale. So you probably had the resources to be able to help other businesses during that period.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, That was a huge advantage. The other advantage was we've always worked from home and we have a home office. Yes. Um, But um, like you, you know, fairly location independent can work wherever we want to, but yes, it, um, the initial few days did feel like no one really knew what was happening. Also, um, um, getting used to our daughter being at home, like yeah. and you know, um, online schooling and all of that was um, was definitely something we needed to kind of navigate and um, get used to. Um, so, so yeah, the initial days did feel like you know we kind of needed to just take time to just process everything and. Figure out, okay? what would it look like if, say a client were called right out, which is why I feel like it's so important um, for for like every service provider to have you know um not just one but multiple streams of of revenue. So you aren't really you know putting, so to speak, your all your eggs in one basket, you know?
1: yeah, and especially I would think that for you guys, because you're a husband and wife team, that that would have been even more prominent because it's not like so with me I'm in the business by myself and if everything dried up on my end my husband's income we would still have that whereas with your business you have that added pressure of it all being it literally being all your eggs in the one basket in terms of the business wise Um, so needing to have those different income streams I think would be something that you guys would need to really focus on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Totally. For us, this the business is our only source of income. So, um, you know, there is no... Um, sure, we do have savings and we do have all of that, but um, in terms of revenue, there really is no backup plan, so to speak. The business is the plan.
1: Yeah. I really want to talk about how you guys have managed to scale your service-based business. But before we get into that, copywriting and then launch copywriting is quite a niche specialty so how did you actually get into that was it something that you focused on from the very beginning how did you transition like how did you actually get into working specifically in the launch copywriting field Great
0: question. No, I did not start with, uh, you know, like focusing on launch copywriting from the beginning. In fact, the, the, uh, what we started like right at the, you know, when we did get into business was um, business blogging, social media management. Um, and those clients as, uh, you know, the relationship kind of grew, we had people ask us like, oh, would you write a sales page for me? Or I'm launching a course, would you do, you know, um, would you help me with the emails? And, you um, and yes, that is when I started learning. So I think I've been doing launch copywriting now for five years yep. um, and sales copywriting and all of that. So it just kind of fell into it, then learned a lot about it, went ahead, um, uh, got certified by Joanna Wieb, who is, uh, you know, a, one of what she is the OG when it comes to conversion copywriting. So when, yes, that is kind of how I, got into launch copywriting and realized that when clients started seeing results from um, the sales pages I would write or the emails that I would create for them or the strategy that we would share with them, um, those results like then kind of really helped Set our, um, you know, focus on the fact that this is what we really want to specialize in. This is what we really want to offer and be known for. The ROI that clients get from working with us is so it's just so satisfying and it's so amazing and it's so great to just be a part of it. So that is then how we pivoted from um, business blogging and social media management into uh, launch and sales copywriting.
1: And I don't think. People, like I'm in the process, I launch my courses and I don't, when you talk about launching and things like that, I think there's a lot of just unknown about what that actually entails. Can you talk about a bit about what actually is involved in, because when you say, you know, I get involved in launch copywriting, we're not talking like one to two emails. How many emails, if you're doing like a launch for, I mean, you've worked with some big names like Amy Porterfield, Pat Flynn, when you're doing launch copywriting for them, like what would a stack of emails look like? Number wise, oh. for a launch, yeah, string really.
0: <laughs> that's a that's a really good question. So, what I love saying is, a not every launch is created the same way. It a lot depends on on you, your brand, how you're aligned with your audience, your offer, of course. So, it's almost unfair for people to say, "Oh, you need you know like say you know um, x number of emails." But the fact is that until you're really clear about How you want to connect with your audience, like just picking a number out of thin air, just just doesn't seem seem right however having said that like for instance let me give you an example so we had a um one of our clients had a seven-figure launch last year like, in fact right in the middle of COVID this was July and um and you'd be surprised like you know you'd still say you'd think like we probably sent out like say 50 odd emails and we had like complicated segments and all of that no we sent out like 25 emails but and it was a ten-day card open, and um, and she ended up with over a million dollars in course sales. And the again, you know, but for me to then go ahead and say, oh, you just need twenty-five emails for a seven-figure launch, <laughs> wouldn't make like literally no sense. Also, the other important thing, uh, Katie, that you kind of touched on is that it's not just your sales page and your emails. And and you saw the presentation that I did at uh, you know the Mastermind where we met. There is so much more that goes into you getting consistent sales. That's, um, in fact, what um, I'd be walking people through in our uh, program, Ready to Sell, that's going to be opening up later this month. But it's not just about your sales page and emails. It's also about other collateral copy, you know, so to speak. So your social media updates, your um, if you've got a blog or a podcast, then your blog posts. Uh, If you've got, you know, what about your thank you pages? What about your, you know, um, your webinar for that matter? Like how much thought are you putting into all of those pieces to really go ahead and connect with your audience and not just stop there. Like after the launch, how are you onboarding people? What kind of um, what kind of post launch um, copy assets do you have in place uh, to just keep a nurture the people who did sign up and b also acknowledge the people who chose not to sign up because at the end of the day we're not selling to subscribers we're selling to to people so you need to have that relationship element be really really strong in in your launch strategy and not just think of it like oh i need a sales page and i need like 12 emails or uh, 25 emails or things like that so um i know this is like a really long <laughs> answer but it's clearly something that i'm super super passionate about because i feel not enough people pay enough attention mm-hmm. to um to everything that's involved in putting a course out there
1: yeah i completely agree there's so much there's so many moving parts that go into facilitating a successful launch and optimizing that and redoing it again a couple of months later and learning from what you didn't do the first time. And it's it's a constant work in progress. And I think what I also like to tell people is you don't have to do all of that at once. You don't have to do it all on your first launch. You might start off with only five emails on your first launch and then you start to add to it and then you start to add another element and it becomes a process that it's not just a, you're not just trying to sell a course once and that's a quick fix and you can put a done sticker on it. You're trying to create sustainable revenue for your business and that involves tweaking it and and adjusting things for next time and maybe hiring, maybe don't hire a copywriter on your first one because you don't have the resources to invest. But then on your second, third launch, fourth launch, when you've got some more information about your um, audience, then you can start to bring in Different bells and whistles, but it really is like it's a big strategy that gets that to execute a successful and particularly like a seven figure launch. That's a huge, big strategy that goes into all of that. And it's never just down to a sales page or an email, it's the whole, you know, puzzle. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. There's it's a process for sure.
1: Yeah. So let's move over to the service based side. So you started with the social media and the blogging and writing that, and you've transitioned into. multi-six-figure successful business and you've got, um, you know, a a long list of really well-known clients. I'm sure it didn't start out like that. And you, did you face any of the challenges at the beginning with any service provider? Well, I've certainly gone through this where you might be underpricing or, you know, you've obviously worked up to have really solid offers for your own products, but what sort of challenges have you gone through in the past with trying to actually scale your service business?
2: Before we um, actually pivoted into copywriting, like like Rena said, we were doing social media and content work, um, and that side of the business was doing really well. But but the challenge for us was that we were putting in way too many hours um, in in the day. So we we were working what I think about ten to twelve hours mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. a day, and we didn't really want to scale uh, our business uh, through the agency route. Uh, that never really felt exciting for us. So that was one of the key reasons we decided to pivot into copywriting. And um, initially our focus was to, and and we still have that basic philosophy for our business, uh, which is to under-promise and over-deliver. So our focus was always to give great results once you do that, you have a few testimonials, you've sort of carved a process that works well for you. Um, it, it's then only a matter of time that you can charge more work with bigger, better clients. So. That's the sort of stuff that's really worked for us. And we never really had any challenges as far as underpricing
0: um,
2: our services was concerned.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Our uh, key challenge was, uh, you know, like finding a path that felt right to us uh, in terms of scaling the business. Because like we shared earlier, like the business is our, uh, you know, it is what supports our family. It supports our life. So, you know, it's not like we've got any kind of a backup plan. So we needed to have something that would integrate well with our life because we definitely did not want something where we would continue to be, you know, continue to work, say, 10, 12 hours a day, or, you know, um just stay stagnant, uh, even revenue-wise.
1: Yeah. And I think with we were talking a little bit off mic before we jumped on to record. And with most service-based businesses, if you're good at what you do, you'll generally get booked out and you'll reach a ceiling where you don't really, your earning capacity remains stable because you don't really have the ability to add more hours to your day and Mm. you end up trading time for money. And you're a lot of the time also at the beck and call of your clients as well, which can get very draining from an energy perspective. And like you said, like a lot of the main models for growth are that agency model. But then what I find with that is that you actually get further away from doing what you love, which is like the creative work, the content, the teaching, you move into like the people management CEO kind of role, which isn't necessarily what lights you up and what you entered the business for in the first place. So how did you decide then which different revenue streams to add to your business and what sort of path to go down?
2: So initially, um, uh, we we thought that we really have to get the client side of the business uh, to a stage where we feel that we are charging uh, the the best possible rates. Uh, so before we we thought about diversification, we thought how do we optimize the client side of the business uh, to its fullest extent? Um, once we'd done that, um, and we didn't really want to go uh, through the agency model, even when we were running a copywriting business. Um, so we we thought, what is the sort of uh, pace of growth uh, that's going to integrate well with our life? Um, that was one thing that we sort of thought about. Um, obviously, then we thought, what skills do we bring to the table? What really lights us up? So when when we thought about those things, um, we we figured out that obviously consulting is something that we were both really passionate about. Um, but that again um, is still a one-to-one model and not really a one-to-many. So, so scaling really meant that we also had a one-to-many uh, offer um, in in our suite of services. So, so that's when we thought of starting with programs. Um, but we were very clear we we didn't want to start with um, with a program which was say um, hundred or two hundred dollars or even five hundred dollars. So. So the first time we launched um, the the beta for our program, uh, Profits on Tap, uh, that was still pretty expensive. We launched it at a thousand dollar price point, mm-hmm. um, because we firmly believe, uh, and there's no right way or wrong way uh, with with products, and um, and you have great products at different price points. But we felt that uh, whether you have a product that's at a hundred dollar price point or a thousand dollar price point. Uh, the marketing um, ends up being more or less the same, so we thought let's try with uh, trying to figure out if we can sell at a thousand, two thousand dollar price point, point. Uh, and if that doesn't work, you can always try products at a different price range. Um, so, so the beta went really well. From there, um, we we came out with profits on tap as as a full blown course. Uh, which was then at fifteen hundred dollars and now it's positioned at two thousand um, dollars but again the the philosophy was not to have 200 people in the program yeah so we we still have about 55 people in the program but we do give a lot of uh, two is to one time yeah. there um, so it's it's really high touch and that's how we are sort of slowly building uh the suite of products that we have
0: yeah for us it was very important Katie to like again not just go follow like a a path that you know worked well for someone else like mine's really you know he's um he believes that we need to do whatever is right for for our season of life what feels good to us so even when it came to building programs like you said you know we decided early on that we're not going to do like a you know have like the usual oh the 37 197 497 like the whole funnel one click upsells and all of that no that just didn't feel right to us again there's no right or wrong way if it feels good to you go for it do it but for us it was um it was more important that we we keep and give um, you know one on one time to people even if they're in a in a group setting. So we wanted to structure it in that way, which is what then has kind of now become um, one of our you know so to speak unique selling points. Is like even if it's a group program, people know they'll get one on one time with us every month, which is something that not you know not everybody gives, and that's again okay and good for you. So you need to kind of figure out what really feels right to you and then decide like, how would you like that to look? So it could still be a group program, but it doesn't have to fit into a cookie cutter mold just because that's the only way it's been done or that's how you've seen it being done. So feel free to experiment, feel free to try things on and see how they feel.
2: And and also to, to add to what Prana was saying, we, we were aware of the fact that at these price points, um, maybe we are making it difficult for a section of our audience to really work with us. So we still wanted it to be extremely accessible. Um, so we thought of different ways instead of launching it at a lower price point or have uh, a smaller bite-sized products. We offer interest-free plans where people can pay over 12 months. So that ends up being about 150 or $180 every month which uh, people find is really accessible, um, even though they get access to the program right away Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. can consume uh, everything that's there, still come for the group coaching calls and meet us uh, two is to one every month. Mm -hmm. Um, But our audience really appreciates that. And we've never really had any issues where people don't uh, follow up on the payments uh, even after finishing the program.
1: And I think what I was just madly writing down a number of different notes there because I just loved what you guys were saying. A few different things popped up for me was, first of all, when we go back to looking at your service, Mike, you said about optimizing your price point. Mm-hmm. When I back up a little bit, I think a lot of service providers, because you're pricing, your, it's like you're pricing your value. And that can often be quite, it, you need a lot of confidence to be able to price at a point that you believe that you're worth and that your time is worth that amount of money. And it can take a while to work up to that. So have you ever had any, well, first of all, have you ever had to, like, how do you negotiate those changes or if a client has come to you on some work three months ago and now your price point might be a little bit higher than that, have you ever had any pushback with clients negotiating with prices or have you ever had any trouble setting those boundaries yourselves or setting those price ra- price raises or communicating those to your clients?
2: So we, we haven't really had a lot of challenge um, with uh, with clients or prospects um, saying that this seems too expensive mm. because our focus has always been on uh, the positioning of the brand. So like I said earlier, um, if, if on a sales call you have a lot of testimonials, case studies, and numbers to back you up uh, with what you're doing, if you have a tried and tested process, um, and like Prerna said, that she's one of the few uh, certified conversion copywriters around. Um, I think if you position your brand uh, uh, well and it comes across as a premium brand, people don't really have a problem um, paying for it. Uh, there's obviously um, on on multiple times we we've had where people don't have the budget uh, mm-hmm. for for a project. So obviously we we try and see if we can cut down the scope of the project and try and. Uh, fit within their budget. Um, But we firmly believe if you position it uh, really well, uh, as far as your brand equity is concerned, pricing is never a problem.
0: Yeah. And to kind of add to that, I feel that is why it is so important for service providers to stay relevant and to stay current with whatever's in their industry, especially if you're still offering services. Um, And this is something that I often see happening when people diversify is that um, the thing you diversify from is the thing you stop doing. So for instance, like, you know, um, Katie, like I know you, you have, you still work with clients. So, you know, so your course is something is, is adding to that, but it's not like you're not working with clients anymore. So you you need to kind of take that decision as well. Again, there is no right or wrong way to do it. What we wanted to know, do was like, we always, we love working with clients, whether it's for copywriting or consulting, we just love that. That's why we probably also have the, the one-on-one element in our group programs. Um, so we, early on decided that like, we really need to invest in, um, in not just the, you know, like marketing as a whole, but like at the start of the year, we look at what are our learning goals, like what skills do we need to invest in and then kind of add to that. So when you're constantly like leveling your skills, when you're constantly learning more and bringing more to the table, like clients then get to see a higher return on investment in working with you. So price, like Mike said, then kind of becomes, um, almost irrelevant in a way, uh, they see the value. That's the thing, you know. It's not like they, they're they like, oh, yeah, I'm like willing to throw money at you, but they see the value in getting you on their
1: team. And I think that's the great thing about having the different revenue streams is that it's the same with me, that one-on-one client work might not be accessible from a price point perspective for everyone, but then they might be the perfect prospect to join my course, which is a lower price point but requires them to do a lot more of the input and a lot more of the work. It's the same the same end strategy and the same end, potentially the end result, but it's just a different way of getting it. And so it depends on, again, their budget and what sort of path they want to go down. And I guess where I've struggled in the past is when someone comes to me saying, I don't have the budget to work with you one-on-one, but I don't have enough time for the course. So what can you do? And I'm kind of like, well, there's sort of no other option. It's either you pay my one-on-one price or you join the course and you have to roll up your sleeves and kind of do some DIY work as well with my Help and feedback and guidance. But I think that you're right. Having those different offers, you've either got a group program or you can do the one on one. And some people prefer working one on one and they want to pay the higher price point and they just want to hand it off and have it off their plate. And other people want to learn the skill themselves and upskill through one of your group programs. And so the ability to have different offers that cater for what someone wants is a really great way to build in income streams to your business.
2: Absolutely. And and I think the other thing that diversification sort of does is obviously uh, you have different income streams, but I think it really helps with breaking the monotony Mm. of doing the same thing over and over again. Yes. So when you're working on your course, um, you're obviously not doing client work all the time. So that really helps you um, fill those juices up as far as the creative side is concerned. And like, like I was mentioning earlier with you also, Katie, when you're doing uh, client work, you're really in the trenches. You know what's working, what's not working. So that sort of helps um, fuel the growth in your programs. So I think it helps with uh, with keeping your motivation going, your mindset fresh, mm-hmm. uh, you're learning on all sides. So obviously you're giving better value, whether it's in your programs or to your clients. So So I think diversification does more than just getting more income and different streams of income coming in.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It definitely you use different parts of your brain and you get to like fill your cup in different ways. If you when I if I find that I'm doing client work just back to back to back to back, you can get a little bit, you know, humdrum mm-hmm. and days look mm-hmm. the same. Whereas if you're writing some launch copy or if you're doing some automation stuff or if you're, you know, teaching, creating content, doing social media, you get to kind of do all these different aspects that your creativity can really explode. And also utilize all those learnings from your client work. Like I always, I never see myself stepping away from client work because I think that if I'm going to teach how to do paid ads, Google ads, then I need to be able to do it for clients. Exactly. And you know, I never see, I, I never trust people that sell a program, but don't do any of the work anymore. <laughs> Cause you're like, how do you keep up to date with all that sort of stuff?
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, no, that's, that's totally true. Um, I also want to kind of go back to what you were talking about, uh, you know, having like different kinds of offers. This is something that we realized when we have people like, because our, our completely done for you, copywriting packages are, uh, you know, they start like, around, say, I think our sales pages start around $7,000 and our full launch copy packages go up to like almost 20, 25K. Uh, So it's not, definitely not for everybody, but we often used to get people saying, oh, okay, I do want to work one-on-one with you. I don't want to, you know, your course, uh, I don't want to do like a course right now. And at that time I did not even have a course. We, in fact, would be launching it like um, uh, this month. So, you know, what's the option, which is what like, and that's what like service providers need to start doing is like looking at what people are asking. Like, this is like a great way for you to diversify and add more revenue streams. So it's still a service, but what we decided like we could do is like a half day intensive with clients and make it like, it's a strategy session along with, um, you know, copy makeover. So um, people would get like to work uh, with us on their offer positioning on their launch plan. And then the, you know, like also get our, I get my eyes on their say email sequences or their sales page and like live critiquing it, makeover, giving it a makeover, typing it up and all of that. And that became really, really popular. So as a service provider, when it comes to diversification, don't just like think of, Oh, it's either service or it's either like, like a full blown service or a course there, there can be, you know, middle ground. You, in you, just need to kind of pay attention to what your what your prospects are asking. Sometimes, you know, you get like some of the best ideas directly from the people who would be buying it at the end of the day.
2: And and I think the other thing with with scaling as a service based business is um, to not discount the the importance of incremental growth. Yes. a um, with, with exponential growth, so every business um, at at every stage is not poised for exponential growth. Mm-hmm. So if you're growing at 20% or 30% a year, that's pretty good, especially if you're working off a base of say a 200K or a 300K and you're adding another 30%, mm-hmm. uh, that's like another 80 to 100K in revenue. So that's that's pretty big. Um, sometimes uh, there's a lot of noise around social media and, <laughs> and what you're getting in your inbox um, and people feel that making... Uh, 80k or 100k as entrepreneurs is no big deal, uh, which is not the case. So you've got to see what really works with your season of life. And if that means that a 20% growth rate year on year works well for you, uh, go for that. So, so yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Also with the challenges that come with exponential growth can often compound or negate the positive impact on the extra revenue. I mean, if you have exponential growth, do you have the systems, the structures, the employees, the help, Mm -hmm. the team members, you know, the VAs, everything around you to help support that. Otherwise, you literally will be back to square one and you'll be working 16-hour days and you won't have the, you know, the business that you want anyway. So I don't think exponential growth is always the goal the goal is sustainable profitable a sustainable profitable business and i love that whole philosophy on just building a solid foundation i think you really need to build a solid foundation otherwise there's no point having growth that you can't then capitalize on
2: yeah absolutely and um, and not just growth on on the income side um as entrepreneurs time is really important for us mm-hmm. so so the goals that we normally keep is how can we keep growing at 20 30% every year as far as revenue is concerned? Still keep our net profitability extremely healthy, mm. but how can we also scale back on time while doing that? So if you're scaling back 10 to 15% in terms of time, um, then it works really well.
1: Yeah. So when it comes to the, your different revenue streams, you've talked through a couple of them, but can you talk me through quickly your, the, you've got your one-on-one, you've got your like, ad hoc kind of buy my day or buy my half day type ones and what other you've got profits on tap which can you talk through what profits on tap and also i've just slipped the name of your new course that's coming up is that right ready to sell
0: yeah right so we've got we've definitely got our done for you copywriting services then we've got like the the half day and the full day intensives and um then on um the program sides, we've got profits and tap, which is for service providers who want to scale without going down the agency route. So that's all about building sustainable scale on. I love that. And then, um, for service providers, again, we've got uh, Momentum Ezo Plus, which is um, a hybrid between strategic consulting with us and a mini mastermind. So it's capped at like five, at the most seven people at a time. It's a six month engagement where we create custom growth plans uh, for entrepreneurs who want distraction free growth um, uh, and you know just kind of want to double down on their on their business. It's mainly for more seasoned entrepreneurs. And this month uh, we'll be launching Ready to Sell, which is going to be um, my sales and launch copywriting program with a special focus on sales strategy. Because, like I shared, I found that um, a lot of courses are there just focus on the you know on the on the big pieces, the sales page or the emails or sales page and emails. But there's a whole lot more that goes into uh, promoting a course for consistent sales. So, Ready to Sell is um, going to be all about that. Um, Besides, uh, besides these, Katie, then we've got um, our consulting uh, services. So that includes uh, Rapid Rise Revenue, where we meet um, entrepreneurs who have, like, say, just say maybe they're launching a program and they want um, help with pricing it, naming it, tagline, structuring it, or a launch plan. Um, and we've had incredible success with this. Like, we only open up like uh, we do it like twice in the month. We have a couple of spots. Um, for spread over two days, and it's been so good. Like we um, we've had consultations with people who, um, you know, someone who's um, a copywriter for architects. We've had um, someone who's launching a brand uh, sponsorship program. Uh, yesterday, we had a call with someone who's an investor relations officer. So it was it's really really interesting to get, uh, like Mike said, it just keeps us um also you know more um engaged and motivated because we're like brainstorming with these business owners to help them name their offers or position it or price it or log- map out a launch strategy so these are like laser focused um 60 to 90 minute calls yeah. um and um so that's like that's the version that we recommend people start with when they're like really new to our universe and want to work with us, but they're not like really ready for a full-blown project. Or if someone's launching a program for the first time, um, I usually let them know that it wouldn't be smart to hire me right away. But I'm happy to kind of, you know, Mike and I will meet you and help you kind of brainstorm copy of, you know, some brief copy sections or your positioning or tagline and all of those things. So that's something that um, that's another offer we have on the consulting side Um, am I missing anything
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so I
0: think
1: I think it's really important also for people to know like you guys have been in business for 10 years now Yes, yes you pivoted from the blogging and also the social media stuff but developing a really good product suite takes time and you haven't just you know launched all these products within a year and then just throwing them together hastily and sit and decided to see what sticks kind of thing. It's a thought out process about which product makes sense and what other offers can I integrate to my product set, but doing it in a way that's not frantic or not um, rushed because then you won't be able to get good products out there anyway. So I think it's also, if you're looking to launch your first product, you don't need to have five other products that complement it straight away. You can build and you maybe only launch one new product a year or one new product every 18 months because a lot of time and energy goes into the actual creation of those different products.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. This is something that uh, we were very um, conscious of when we were starting out. With. Like, and most of our, in fact, and this is something we talk about in profits and tap as well. Is like we teach our, um, you know, students is like pay attention to what your customers and your prospects are asking for because sometimes it's not they they may not know what they really like, kind of want or need. But it's up to you then, as a the service provider, to kind of like just kind of pay attention because some of our best. Um, product ideas have actually come directly from the source
1: (laughs) and also not all products that your customers want you have to deliver so you might run into like a lot of my students will be like are you going to do a Facebook ads course or are you going to do um, this course or that Mm -hmm. course and Mm -hmm. you would love to do all this sort of stuff but the time and your expertise is also in a focus on your sweet spot and what you're really passionate about I think it's important to listen to what your customers and your clients want your students but it's also about integrating that about what you love to do and what will light you up, and you don't have to fulfill every single product idea that your your customers want as well.
2: Yeah, that's that's such a great point that you make, Katie. Um, and we also focus on uh, figuring out what's the sweet spot and uh, what season of life are we in. So sometimes you might have a great idea, but but you know you can't really run with it right now. Maybe it's going to happen next year. So so yeah, you obviously listening to your customers, trying to figure out. Um, what new product or service ideas will work, Uh, but timing is also key.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining me both today. It has been just fantastic to talk to you. I um, could just talk to you forever, but I guess I've got to wrap it up at at some point. But can you please tell people where they can find you, connect with you online and on social media and get in touch if they need to? Yeah, thank you so much for
0: inviting both of us. This was really wonderful. And like you said, we, you know, we too can go on and chat about this (laughs) forever. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so we'd love to connect with your audience, Katie, on Instagram. Uh, We're on Instagram at contentbistro. Um, Our website, contentbistro.com, will be the best place for you to start, um, to get to know us. We've got a blog that's got a ton of great information and lots of great resources for anyone who's looking to either launch uh, their course or scale their business. Um, sustainably so um, those would be the best places for people to join us and if you're on Facebook we have a community uh, for um, entrepreneurs who want intentional profitability and sustainable scale. it's called the Biz Bistro um, it's a Facebook group
1: so look for us there I'll put put all those notes in the show notes and all the links and I just thank you guys so much for joining me
2: thanks so much for having us Katie it thank was lovely. You.
1: I hope you enjoyed that chat as much as I enjoyed talking to Pernia and Mayank. They were incredible and so generous with their time. And head to the links in the show notes if you want to connect with them online or visit their website or join their biz community on Facebook. And again, like I said, there hopefully will be a couple of posses left of my Launch Legends Mastermind community, which will be starting on Feb 1st in a couple of days. So head to the link in the show notes, katiegriffin.com forward slash launch dash legends. If you want to check out those details and I'd love to know what you thought of this episode, you can slip it to my DMs on Instagram. I'm at katiegriffin underscore and do all the things, share with a friend that you think this episode would be helpful for and rate and review. And I will catch you on the episode next week.